We welcome you to the media ministry of Denton Bible Church. There was, uh, I, I was born in Abilene, Texas, and there was a guy famous who was out in the country, and he started buying food and, and really prepping for he knew when the, the, the world was going to end, got a lot of people to follow him, and uh, it passed and it didn't happen. The guy out in California did that too. He ended up tragically, and all those people killed themselves. He knew when Jesus was coming back, and there was something about a spaceship with that guy, and everybody was going to leave on a spaceship. And There's a lot of people that have told us when Christ was going to come back. In fact, every generation probably believed, uh, many people did, that Jesus was coming back in their time. You may say, well, right now there's no doubt Jesus is coming back soon because of all the things that are happening. Uh, I wonder how many of the people during the early days of World War II thought when the, there was a conflict all around the world, we were thrust into that at Pearl Harbor and a war that we didn't want to be a part of, but we became a part of it after that. And how many people during that time just knew that Jesus was coming back soon? There was so much evil and so much trouble in the world and wars and rumors of wars. And how many people actually probably thought that that terrible guy, Hitler, was well, maybe the Antichrist? There's been many, many times before, uh, before the flood, the Bible says that every man's thoughts were on evil continually. How bad was the world then? Full of violence and corruption, it said. But probably every generation, and certainly a lot of pastors throughout the years, have preached that Jesus is coming back. He'll probably come back in our lifetime. And I just want to ask you, what should we be doing? If Jesus were going to come back in our lifetime, how should we be living? Uh, in the passage that we're going to look at and that Jared read to us tonight, I believe that there is great explanation of what we ought to be living like because before Jesus came to the earth the first time, there was somebody that was waiting on him and waiting well. What has to take place for Jesus to come back right now? Nothing. Uh, we believe in a pre-tribulational rapture. We believe in pre-millennialism. Jesus can come back right now. I had a video that we played here years ago, but it was a South African pastor and it was a group about this big and it was mainly young college-age students, and I won't play it here tonight, it's really loud when something happens. He's up there preaching about the second coming of Christ and, and about the, the coming back for the church, the rapture. And he is uh, passionate, speaking on the passages that refer to that. And right as he is standing up there, there is a huge thunder and lightning, and it's very, very loud. And the next scene you see, there's about five young people in that building Lots of Bibles fell to the ground, simulating the rapture. There's going to be a day and a moment in time when Jesus will come back for us. The Bible says Jesus is coming back for his saints, and then he will come back with his saints. That's a lesson for another day, but Jesus is coming back. Our Bible ends with the Apostle John saying, come Lord Jesus. Now in my 20s I wanted Jesus to come but I didn't want him to come back right then. You know I wasn't married yet. I thought it would really be nice to have a wife and uh, I really wanted a better car and maybe I could have some children and a better career and, and, and I wanted him to come back but I wanted him to wait around a little while you know. The older we get as every uh, decade goes by I think we're more ready to say come Lord Jesus. Some of you are doing like this. Yeah. 
when life kind of hits us and slaps us around a little bit. But I think that's also growth in Christ. The more we grow in Jesus, we want to be with him. I sat with a former elder of our church the other day at breakfast, and with tears in his eyes, he's up in age, and he said, I just can't wait. I just can't wait. I visited a man who had cancer, and oh, by the way, please, as Jared said, pray for, for Galen. Galen and I have come close in the last couple of years, and he's a dear friend of mine. We have uh, walked through some things already together, and I've prayed, prayed very, very much for him. And he's walking with his wife Paige and his family very faithfully through this. But this is a very serious illness that he's found. And I know, I know Galen. I know he will seek the high ground. If you're listening tonight, brother, we're praying for you. And we love you very, very much. But I sat and listened and visited a man who was very, very ill and he knew that his time was short, and he said, pray for me for two things. He said, pray for me that I'll long for heaven, and pray for me that I hit the tape hard at the end. I think those are pretty good things to pray for, and I would ask for that same thing for me also. When's Jesus coming? We don't know. But what should we be living like? Look with me at this passage, if you will, about there's actually two people that are in the temple that day. Anna was a prophetess. If you'll look there in verse 36, let me just read a little about uh, her. Luke 2, 36. Very faithful woman. There was a prophetess, Anna, the, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years and had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage. She got married, lived seven years. Her husband died and she's been a widow for many, many years. Then as a widow to the age of 84... She never left the temple, serving night and day with fastings and prayers. At that very moment, she came up and began giving thanks to God and can continue to speak of him to all those who were looking for the redemption of Jerusalem. I believe Anna, and I want to, when I get to heaven, I want to talk with her. She was privileged to be in the temple in Jerusalem the day Mary and Joseph brought their little baby in. But jump back with me, if you will, in verse 21. This is a divine appointment. Have you had those in your life? You think about, why did I just meet that person? What does that have to do in the big scheme of things? And you find out that God ordered that. He ordained that visit, that meeting. And you see how God brought your lives together for a godly purpose. You and I have divine appointments where he brings people in our lives and us in their lives for good. I believe that every one of you here tonight, God knew who would be here. And we don't take it lightly that you've chosen to be a part of Denton Bible Church this evening. Isn't it a wonderful time when a baby's born? They didn't have cameras back then. There was a season uh, not too many years ago, you know, for a while, uh, the husband barely could go in the room when the wife's going to give birth. And then for a while, everybody could come. I mean, it was a party. You had these great big birthing rooms at the hospital and you could invite all your family. And I don't know how, what you ladies thought about that, but it was, it was just kind of a, not too much privacy. And now they've kind of gone away from that a little bit. But it's a joyous time when mama's healthy and baby's healthy. And, and uh, no doubt you have many pictures on your phone of little ones that are special to you. Thank you. Can I just say how beautiful it is to see that little child there on your knee today? I believe when Jesus walked those thousand days of his ministry in the Gospels that uh, the children were everywhere. The 
Children River, let them come to me. They would come and sit on his lap and I can just see him tugging on his beard and talking to him. And Oh, great song that I taught me when I was a little boy. Jesus loves the little children. It's true. Well, in verse 21 of this passage, when eight days had passed before his circumcision, his name was then called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. I want you to notice, first of all, that Mary and Joseph are good Jews. They obeyed God. They take the boy Jesus as a Hebrew boy to circumcise him, set him apart for God's use, and they're going to take him back to the temple. We forget that sometimes. Jesus is, of course, ushering in Christianity in 30-something years, 33 years. He is going to die on the cross of Calvary and, and pay the price for all people's sin of all time. But right now, he's the little Christ child, and they are obeying the law. Verse 22, when the day for their purification according to the law of Moses were completed, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male that opens a womb shall be called holy to the Lord, and to offer a sacrifice according to what was said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. At this time, Mary and Joseph are doing what the will of God is for their child. You and I that are parents or maybe grandparents, we are called upon, and if you still have little ones in your home or you have young adults in your home, we are called to do for them the will of God before they're able to do it on their own. And I'm so thankful I had a mom that came to know Christ, and she led us in the Lord's way. She did for us what we were not old enough to do yet, guiding us into the will of God. Uh, it's a fun time when we have dedications of the little ones in our church service. Sometimes on Sunday morning, Tommy will, will dedicate 10 or 12 new babies in the church, and that is a, that's a fun time. I was remembering back, we have a missionary who's been in China named uh, Senator Barnes. Senator, that's his first name. He said, I get a lot of upgrades on flights just because that's my first name. And he said, I take every one of them. He had been a missionary for many years along with his wife and then they have three little girls. Uh, he had been a missionary in China. Now he, he is almost seven feet tall. And he said, it's just wonderful when all the Chinese will take out their cell phones and they do this. They want to take a picture of him, but they, they don't want to let him know. He said, every time I see him, I say, come on over. And that's just the way Senator is. But I remember the day that they were going to dedicate Senator and Sarah Barnes, their little girl, youngest girl, Sona, several years ago. And as they stood there in front of the church, Senator, who's almost seven feet tall, raised up little Sona, brand new baby, way above his head. And I thought, that child is 12 feet above the ground. I mean, it was, it was Lion King it, holding, holding her up like that. And I just thought, that is this amazing. You know, I can't jump as high as that little baby is up there. They dedicated her to the Lord. That's what's happening here in this passage. Mary and Joseph taking a Hebrew boy, Jesus, according to the law, as an Israelite, back to the temple. I love verse 25, and there was a man. Oftentimes in the scripture, there's, it says there's a certain person. It could be the woman who pressed through the crowd to touch the hem of Jesus' garment. 
It could be the blind man, Bartimaeus, on the side of the road. It could be you here tonight. There's a certain person that Jesus is going to do something with. I hope you live like that and you think about that because you are just as valuable as everyone else to, to the Lord. You're very valuable, and he wants to meet with you also. There was a, a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout, looking for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. If we were to ask what kind of people, if we believe Jesus is coming back, and I love at funeral times, I talk to uh, the children often, and I'll read out of John 14, and I'll ask specifically, can I talk to the children? And I tell them, Jesus lived here on the earth 2,000 years ago. He went back to heaven. What do you think he's been doing in the last 2,000 years? John 14, let your heart not be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place, I will come again and take you to be with me, that where I am, you may be also. And I tell those children, he's getting our rooms ready. He's getting our place in heaven ready and when that loved one that is there is a believer, we know that Jesus has got Jesus could come back any time. And he's preparing that place for those that love him. I don't know when that time will be for me. Four times in my life, I've been a few seconds away from death. How about you? Maybe you've never gone through anything like that. I want to tell you, if you have, you know that it kind of stirs inside of your heart and conscience. It doesn't matter what vehicle you drive, what house you live in, what job you have, how much money you have or you don't have. It doesn't matter your accomplishments. All that matters that day is you're about to breathe your last and stand in front of your maker. This man had an appointment. God knew where he would be at the certain time, at the certain place. And God brought Mary and Joseph to bring Jesus in there. He was waiting for the Messiah. Now, remember in the Old Testament, we had the times, uh, the beginning all the way through the creation. We had the times of the kings. We've come through the time of Elijah and Elisha, the prophets, where they said, thus saith the Lord, the, the writing prophets, the post-exilic prophets after the exiles. And then we had a, a time of about four or 500 years where God was silent. He didn't speak to Israel. They were waiting, not just a few years. They were waiting for millennia. They were waiting for centuries, let me put it that way, for the Messiah to come. Now, after about 30 years, 40 years, it's tem the tendency of human nature is to not be as insistent or be ready. It would be, get old. Well, he's coming back someday, but it probably won't be in my lifetime. How, how much more, four, five, six hundred years... Would a Jewish person kind of got, well, surely he's not coming now. Whatever it'll be, it'll be. Not so for this man. He is waiting in expectancy that the Messiah could come any day. And one of the things that I want to ask you to think about, do you have a, a kingdom agenda? Do you have a life goal that when you get up in the morning, you realize Jesus could come back any time? Maybe today is the day. Do you think about it? I was praying for you guys early, early this morning, well, a long time ago when it was still dark, praying, and I was thinking about this. Jesus could come back today. 
This could be the last Sunday we have in our church to worship him. So there's three different things I want to ask you to think about. Would we do well to be like Simeon? He was waiting for the Messiah to come the first time. We're waiting for him to come back, aren't we? Notice what it said about him. A good Jewish man who is waiting for the Messiah, this man was righteous and devout. Now, to be righteous before God at this time, remember, has Jesus died on the cross yet? No. He's not paid the price for their sins. So to be righteous meant that they had to have a right heart toward God. It didn't mean that they were all forgiven yet. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and Moses, and David, and all the people of the Old Testament, Ruth and Esther, all of them were still in their sins. God had passed over their sins, waiting for the Messiah to come, but they were still not forgiven yet. It was when the blood of Jesus was spilled on Calvary, and he said, it is finished that God could count that blood for all of those Old Testament saints. But this man, it says, was righteous and devout. He was serious about God. Roy Robertson was a man in 1941 in a place called Pearl Harbor. On Saturday evening, he and some of his men went to a Bible study. About 15 soldiers sat around in a small group. And the leader of the group said, I want you to go around the circle and I want you to tell me your favorite Bible verse. And Roy Robertson writes the story and says, I hope someone doesn't pick John 3.16. That's the only verse I know. So they went all the way around the circle and they all picked different verses and the guy right next to him chose John 3.16. He said, I knew it. He stole my verse. And he said, that night I was humiliated because I had to admit that I was ignorant of God's word. I had not been faithful to study the Bible. The next morning, you know what happened? 360 Japanese planes attacked Pearl Harbor, dropped bombs on uh, our ships there in that harbor. And Roy Robertson ran to his place where he manned one of those big guns. And he says, for 15 minutes... All we could shoot was blanks, practice ammunition, until we could get live ammunition to the gun. Hoping to scare some of those Japanese planes just to scare them until they got live ammunition. And he prayed that day when he recounts his testimony, and he says, that was my life. I was just going through the emotions. I was a fake. I was shooting blanks for Christ. I didn't know his word. I hadn't followed him. And he prayed that day, Lord, if you'll spare my life, I'll get serious about Jesus. And he did. God spared his life. He joined up with Dawson Trotman that began the Navigators. And Roy Robertson led the Navigators program for Asia uh, for many, many years. He got serious about Jesus. If we're going to be people waiting for Jesus to come back, we need to get serious about him. We need to be righteous and devout. Not because we're great, good, and we always do what's right, but we love Jesus and we're forgiven and we walk a consistent Christian. Waiting for Jesus to come back and ready for him. We need to be righteous and devout like this man. Secondly, it said, he was looking for the consolation of Israel. Consolation means the comfort of Israel. And what he's talking about is the Messiah. God had promised the Messiah was going to come. And this man was looking for him. 
You and I don't need to get caught up in all the minutia of the world and all the news and all the things that are happening in nations around the world so much. Jesus, would you come today? He could come back today. What will I be doing? Jonathan Edwards, if you've studied him, is famous for writing his resolutions. These are commitments that he made in his life. And one of his resolutions was this. I resolve to never do anything that I would not be comfortable doing if it was the last hour of my life. Think about that for a moment. I don't want to ever be doing anything that I knew Jesus was going to come back in an hour that I wouldn't gladly keep doing that. So you and I need to be like Simeon. He was looking for God's good. He was looking for God to work that day. Young pastor went in the pulpit one time and he preached a sermon and he just felt like he, he didn't do well at all. And they gave an invitation at the end of the service. Nobody came forward. Nobody prayed. Nobody received Christ as far as he knew. And he just felt defeated. And an older pastor took, came to him and said, son, <coughs> what's wrong? And he said, well, I just, I just thought there would be people come to know Christ and people's lives would be saved. And he said, uh, the older man said to him, well, you don't expect every time you preach God's word for people to be saved to you. And the young preacher said, well, no, not really. And the older pastor said, that may be the problem. We need to expect Christ to work. When I look out here, I'm thankful for every one of you. It doesn't matter how many are here or how many are not here. I'm just grateful for everyone that comes. But I've prayed for Jesus to do something in our lives tonight. I always ask him to start with me because I got a lot that needs done. How about you? But I believe he's here with us. I believe people listening to us. Jesus wants to do things in our life right now in today's world and in our lives. And we need to live like he's coming back. So this man was righteous and devout. He was looking for God. He was looking for the consolation of Israel. And notice what the third thing was. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. It's interesting that's the way it's written. Before Pentecost, after Jesus was raised from the dead, and Joel chapter 2, the prophecy that it, about the giving of the Holy Spirit, <coughs> excuse me, before that was fulfilled in, at Pentecost when the Holy Spirit came down to live inside of them, Jesus had taught his disciples, the Spirit has been with you, but he shall be in you. The saints of the Old Testament would have the Holy Spirit come down upon them. David prayed in Psalm 51, O Lord, take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Samson, the Holy Spirit would come down on Samson, empower him to do something, and then the Holy Spirit would be removed. Uh, Saul, the Holy Spirit would come upon him and then be removed. In the New Covenant, the New Testament, the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of us. <coughs> Excuse me so much. And he is never removed after that. He comes to dwell inside of us. So the scripture says there, the Holy Spirit was upon him. And if we need to be people that are waiting for the Lord, we need to be righteous and devout. We need to be serious. I had a couple that didn't go to church very much. She was a lawyer. He was a rancher. And uh, when 9-11 happened, they said, we're going to make a commitment to start going to church. As far as I know, that's 20 years ago. And they're in church every Sunday. They started being serious about God. So you and I need to be righteous and devout, looking for God's good. And we need to make sure that the Holy Spirit is in us. If we're not saved here tonight, you can be. You can be. 
The Holy Spirit's in this place. I'm convinced that some people are, go to church and they've felt the presence of the Holy Spirit, but they don't know the person of the Holy Spirit. If that could be your circumstance, let us talk tonight. I can't give him to you. You can't give him to me. But the miracle of God's gospel can do a work in your life here tonight. Isaiah 40, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk, not, walk and not faint. They that wait upon the Lord. We need to be people that are looking forward to Jesus coming back. Look at verse 26. And it had been revealed to him, Simeon, by the Holy Spirit, that he would not death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. This is a personal guidance of the Holy Spirit. It's not revelation like the Bible that is being written. Those that were moved by the Holy Spirit to write the scripture, that is a revelation like nothing else. You and I do not have that revelation today. We have the Bible. But the Holy Spirit directs us and guides us and leads us. There are promptings of the Holy Spirit. I've known in my life times when there was a direction that I felt the, the the movement of the Holy Spirit very strong in my life, knowing what I needed to do very clearly. Other times I didn't feel it the same. But the Holy Spirit guides us and directs us. And he had been shown that you're not going to see death. You're not going to die until you see the Messiah. Now, isn't that amazing? They've been waiting four or five or six hundred years since God's even talked about the Messiah to come. And here this man says, Either one of two things I could think of in a scenario. Either Jesus was coming back in his lifetime, and think about that for us, is Jesus Christ coming back in our lifetime? Or secondly, God was going to let him live supernaturally until the Messiah came. I was in this very room, and a man sitting on the back row, I'd thought about a long time. Billy Graham was instrumental in, in my life. And I'm very grateful for his ministry. Uh, I've been among those people that serve in that, and I've never seen a more humble, a more faithful organization than the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association. I get very upset if somebody tries to talk ugly about them because uh, they're not, they weren't after money. They weren't after numbers. They, in fact, the times that I've been around them at conferences, they wanted to give me everything. They wanted to give my money back. They wanted to give me everything and books and how could I pray for you? Where's your wife? Can we pray for her? And very, very humble. But I knew there was going to be a day that Billy Graham was going to go to heaven. Now, he was 99, and I thought, God may just keep him alive until Jesus comes back. He may live to be 150. I don't know. Billy Graham, one day you're going to hear on the radio, television, or you're going to read in the newspaper that Billy Graham has died. Don't you believe it? I'll be more alive that day than I've ever been. I was seated on a, on a uh, stool right here behind this podium on a Wednesday morning at the men's Bible study when a man who works for the Billy Graham Association with Samaritan's Purse at the end of the, the Bible study said, Mike, I want to make an announcement. Billy Graham has just gone to heaven. And I remembered what he said. And I said, he's more alive now than he's ever been before. This man, the Holy Spirit, was on him and he led him. You're going to see the Messiah before you die. Is that not an amazing promise that God gave him? Verse 27, and he came in the Spirit into the temple. Well, there's three workings of the Spirit on this man. First of all, the Holy Spirit is with him. 
the presence of the Holy Spirit. He's a, he is a God-fearer. He's a God-believer. That translates to you and me tonight. Are we saved? may sound cliche, old-fashioned, but are you saved? Do you know for sure if you died tonight, you'd be with Jesus in heaven? If God said, why should I let you in? What are you going to tell him? Well, my mother did this, and my dad did this, and I've done this, and I've done this. None of those things can get you through those doors. It is because Christ shed his blood on the cross of Calvary, and I believe that he is the Son of God. I repent of my sins. I receive into my life, and by his grace, I can enter into, into heaven only because of his merit and not anything that I've done. Secondly, he had the Holy Spirit revealing him. He, he, he was guiding him. And we and I need to be led by the Holy Spirit too. Seeking God's will for our life. Some of you young adults, I say this often, but I really mean it. You are so valuable to the church. You are so important for our world. Um, don't settle for anything less than God's perfect will for you. He has a plan for your life. He has a dream that is in his mind for you that's better than any dream that you have. And you can be very, very instrumental in changing this world and leading your church. And then thirdly, it says the Spirit led him to the temple that day. He was in the right place at the right time. He went to church. I've all my life heard people say, came to be Christians, well, I don't have to go to church. I believe in Jesus, I'm saved, but I don't have to go to church. Well, I just want to remind you, Jesus said safe people need to go to church. Safe people need to go to church. Hebrews 10, 25, forsake not the assembling of ourselves together as a manner of some is. Get to church. Now, I realize tonight some of us have people at home. We've got a pandemic, an epidemic. We've got a lot of illnesses, and we need to reach out and pray for every one of them and help serve them. And there's times to stay away. Thank you for being here tonight, but come to church. Worship with your church. About a third of the uh, members of churches in America, I heard a pastor say today, after uh, 2020 have stopped coming to church. About a third. Well, we need to encourage them. Get back. Because if we're waiting on Jesus, we need to be where he's going to come looking for us. And he wants us to be in his house. Then it says, look with me, when he came in the spirit in the temple, when the parents brought in the child Jesus to carry out for him the custom of the law. Can you imagine Mary and Joseph walking in that temple carrying a baby? Now, Simeon probably had been in that temple many, many days. He had probably seen so many Jewish babies brought in to be dedicated to the Lord in that temple. But there was something different about this baby. I told you we got a grandson, 20 months old. We experienced Christmas with him. I say we experienced it because it was an experience. He kind of knew a little bit more that was going on. Such a wonderful time as I know it was with your family, and I pray that it was. But to see the joy of a child and to see the laughter and the, just the, the love that God gives to those little children, I'll say to him, oh, by the way, he, he called me by name the other day for the first time. Uh, this grandson who is, you know, uh, I've got the pulpit here tonight so I can talk about him. I'm sorry. But he called me Papa for the first time. Uh, I went and bought him a pickup. And it's in the garage for him, you know, waiting on him for when he gets old enough to drive. But, but no, seriously, the joy that I have, that you have, 
It's wonderful to see people that we love and to see that joy. A lot of babies had been brought in that temple. But there was something different about this baby. An old man sees Mary and Joseph walk into that temple. We, he probably didn't know who they were. You may, you may say, well, how did he recognize that baby? I think it's the same way we'll recognize one another in heaven. I don't know if I'll see Mark as a 30-year-old man over there. I don't know. I, I may see him as when I first met him at 12, or I may see him older. I don't know how I'll see him in heaven, but I bet I know him because the Holy Spirit can make us know one another. There's something different about this baby. Mary and Joseph walk in here, and this old man comes and gets their baby. What would you do if you went into a place that's not where you lived, and an old man came up to you and grabbed your baby? I can't imagine what all would happen, but there's something special about this day. This old man comes and gets that baby, and he does the Lion King probably. <laughs> Holds that baby up because this is the one we've been waiting on. Look what it says. He came in the spirit of the temple. The parents brought in the child Jesus to carry out for him the custom of the law. Then he took him into his arms and blessed God. And men and women, if we're going to be people waiting on Jesus, we need to bless God. Jordan just told us about, uh, about our elder. He didn't talk about his illness. He didn't talk about woe is me. He talked about God, didn't he? He talked about Jesus and his relationship and what God was doing. I can show you the text on my phone right now of Galen giving God the honor and glory and praise, even in the midst of this illness, that he's working for good. That's the kind of people we ought to be waiting for Jesus to come. He took this little baby up and he blessed him and he blessed God and said, Now, Lord, you're releasing your bondservant to depart in peace according to your word. For mine eyes have seen your salvation, which you prepared in the presence of all the people, a light of revelation of the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. Notice what's in that passage right there. He took him up into his arms and he blessed God. He didn't say, Mary and Joseph, you have produced the best child, the most handsome little baby I've ever seen. He didn't pat them on the back and say, you're the greatest Jewish couple that I've ever met. He blessed God. And you and I need to do the same thing. We need to have a lifestyle consistent that tells God how good he is. Teach us to pray. His disciples came to Jesus one day and he started off saying, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. And we need to start off our days. I start off every morning when my eyes open up and I say, Jesus. I want that to be the first name on my lips. And then I pray to God and I thank him, ask him to work in my life that day. I need a lot of work done. I don't know about you. So I ask him early. He took this little baby and notice what it says. He says, now, Lord, you're releasing your bondservant to depart in peace. Your version of the scripture might say, oh, Lord, let us now thy servant depart in peace. Now, what in the world can make this man ready to die? He's ready to go on to be, go to heaven. He found the pearl of great price. He didn't have anything else he needs to accomplish. He doesn't need to go see anybody. He doesn't need to pay any of his debts. He is ready. I have seen salvation, and I'm ready to go. You and I need to be people. If we're going to be people ready for Jesus to come back, we need to be ready for, to go. We need to people, be people that look at their life to bless God. We need to look at our life in contentment. Thank you, Lord, where I'm at. Some people are so 
uh, not content. They want what other people they have. They're never uh, satisfied with what God's given them. And Oh, if you want to live a life that's worth living, be content where you are. Thank you for what you have. And then this man says, I'm ready to go because I've seen the Christ. You kept your word, God. And I want to tell you here tonight, God keeps his word. There's nothing in his Bible that he's told us he's going to do that he won't do. There's nothing he's promised about you personally that he's shown you that he will not do. He keeps his word. A man or a woman that is walking in, the, in the, the fellowship with God knows that God keeps his word and lives according to it. He said, my eyes have seen your salvation. He's looking at about a six-pound, five-pound baby. But he knew that this little child was going to be the Christ. I want to encourage you. Christmas time this new year as we look forward to some new things in the evening service we look forward to the new things in our lives uh, look up look up like this man was look expectantly for what God's going to do realize the people you may meet in your life are divine appointments just like this man's was can you remember those of you who are believers you know for sure you're saved can you remember the moment you trusted Christ you believe that he was a son of God, that God raised him from the dead. He died on the cross for your sins. You asked him to forgive you. You received him inside your heart, and you have never been the same. I remember the moment I've taken people by, back to the very spot of ground where that took place in my life. In 1968, I wept my eyes full of tears. I wept, and I begged God to forgive me of my sins came in my life and have never been the same. This man said, I've seen God's salvation. Well, you know I have too, but we're going to get to see him even better. Job in the Old Testament says, I know that my Redeemer lives. He had confidence that one day he would see the Messiah. In fact, he goes on to say that I know I will see him with my eyes in my flesh. Now, wait a minute, Job died. How in the world could he see the Messiah? He died and is in a grave somewhere, but he knew God was going to not leave his body in the grave. He said, I'm going to see him with my own eyes someday. The book of Revelation tells us that Jesus is coming back and every eye will behold him. How big is he going to be for everybody alive to see him? What kind of people do we need to be waiting on the Lord? Just like Simeon. We need to be faithful and devout. We need to be where the Lord wants us to be. We need to be full of the Holy Spirit, led by the Spirit. We need to be looking forward to what God has for us. And God will make us ready for tomorrow, whatever happens tomorrow. I mentioned there are four times in my life I've been close to death. And each of those four times, I didn't get brave. God showed his power in my life. And if I wouldn't be able to be in front of you here tonight, I had peace to know. Let your servant depart in peace. Would I miss my wife? Would I miss my children, grandchildren? Absolutely. Would I miss you guys? I sure would. Pray for you to get there. But I'm ready to go home. It's almost the end of the passage. For he says, My eyes have seen your salvation, which you prepared 
in the presence of all peoples, a light of revelation to the Gentiles, the glory of your people Israel. This baby is going to save Gentiles and Jews. Jews were God's chosen people, Gentiles everybody else. Men and women, if you have any prejudice inside of your heart, your life tonight, maybe where you were raised, the family you were in, maybe unknown to you until later in your life and you've realized, I had some of those things taught me. Beg God to take that out of your life. Heaven's going to be full of people of all tongues, of all nations, all skin colors, all languages. We're going to be in heaven together and we're not going to be separated the way that we separate down here on the earth. If there's any prejudice in you here tonight, I want to tell you the Christ child of Christmas came to knock all those walls down. His father and mother were amazed at the things were being said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to his mother, Mary's mother, Behold, this child is appointed. He's saying, Let me tell you what's going to happen to this little baby in years to come. For the fall and rise of many in Israel, and for a sign to be opposed. He's saying, Mary, there's gonna, you're going to see in your lifetime that this little child's not going to be received by many, many people of this world. And then he said these words that Mary must have thought about often in her life and never saw them fulfilled until she stood at the foot of the cross, seeing Jesus killed. He said, a sword will pierce even your own soul. Can you picture what that was like for Jesus' mother? To stand there and know that he had never sinned, he'd never lied, he'd never cheated. He was dying for her sin and for the sins of all mankind. And it was a sword that didn't pierce her flesh, but it pierced through her soul. A hurt like no other mother had ever experienced. to the end that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed and that's what Christ does he causes us to make a decision about him he causes our heart to be revealed and that's where we're at tonight do you know Jesus if you do he wants you to be devout and righteous he wants you to be in church he wants you to be faithful he wants you to be looking up for him to come back and he's going to give you peace that if you are called to go home just like that man that we prayed for as we began here tonight you're ready to go you're ready to go because your eyes have seen God's salvation. Righteous and devout, looking for God's good, the presence of the Holy Spirit, led by the Spirit in the house of God. Look at God with blessing. Look at our own life with contentment. And look at death with peace. And there's an old hymn that America remembers from a long time ago. In these words or in one of the verses, mine eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. Are you ready? He could come back before you hit your knees tonight and your head hits that pillow. Are you ready? You can be ready. Simeon, I can't wait to go sit down with Simeon in heaven and let him describe that day to me. He came into the temple these two parents brought this little baby in and I could see that this baby was different. I pray that you know Jesus. I pray you have the greatest new year in your life and your family. But I want to encourage you 
whatever happens with this virus, whatever happens in the news, whatever happens to the nations around us, whatever happens in our institutions, you can let this year be a year that more and more than ever in your life you're looking for Jesus to come back. And you can say as the Bible ends in the end of Revelation, come Lord Jesus, won't you come today? Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for this passage. I thank you for Simeon, for Anna, that were obedient to you and listened to you and you led them to the temple that day. I thank you for Mary and Joseph that were faithful to the law. They took Jesus and did for him as a little baby what he was not able to do on his own. May we be parents that do for our children the will of God until they're old enough and they can do the will of God for themselves. And, oh, Lord, I thank you for this man that was given such a great promise. You're not going to die until you see the Messiah. And when he saw him, he said, it's enough now, Lord. I'm ready to go home. If there's somebody here in the room tonight that's not saved, I'll stay up here at the front. Some, some other folks are in here. Our staff will be ready to visit with you, pray with you about anything. Because really nothing else matters except you know Jesus. I do pray that you could leave this worship service tonight in peace, led by the Holy Spirit, with a commitment to be righteous and devout, to take God seriously, to get serious about Jesus more this year than you have before, and that you could be like Simeon. My eyes have seen your salvation, and you keep your eyes on that one named Jesus who bought and paid for that salvation for you and me. So thank you for coming tonight. Father, thank you for every soul in this place. Would you let this be a place that you're pleased with? And Lord, when you're ready, come, Lord Jesus. In his name we pray.